This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So I hope that from our time together today that you'll learn a little bit about UCSF's art for recovery and the role that it plays in patients' lives, but also have a chance to experience a taste of sort of what we offer in our workshops. And hopefully you'll be inspired uh, to be creative in your own life and use the arts as a tool for your own healing. When patients first come across our program, they usually say, well, you know, I'm really not an artist, but we believe in art for recovery that everyone is an artist. We believe that art is innate. Every child is creative until someone comes along and tells them otherwise. Adult patients usually have a lot of resistance to being vulnerable with creativity. So when I go to the bedside of a patient, nine times out of 10, when I ask, would you like to make art? They say, oh, no, no, you don't want me to make art. But once they start creating with me or one of my associates, they quickly realize it's fun, it's relaxing, and that they are expressing themselves. In these moments, adult patients are able to start connecting to a core element of who they really are, to their true voice, and to their story. Art for Recovery provides the tools for them to access that. So at Art for Recovery, our goal is to create a safe space, a supportive space for patients to be creative and to tell their story. When someone is first diagnosed, it is not easy to talk about how it really feels to be a patient. Talking to family and friends can be very complicated. And in all the years of working in Art for Recovery, we've learned that patients really need a safe place to be honest, to talk about their feelings and their medical experiences, to be seen and heard without judgment. These safe spaces we hold cultivate community and connection with other adults who understand what it's like to have cancer. Friendships develop, information and resources are shared, and the isolation of illness starts to break. I wanna talk for a second about this art piece that is on the screen right now. This was done by a patient who um, was facing the end of her life. And she came in to our group and said she was not able to talk to her family and her friends about her final days and that she just wanted to draw a picture of it. So she sat down and she drew this little boat and she dreamed her best picture of what it would be like to pass, that she wanted to have hospice on the bay, that she wanted to be in a little boat peacefully swimming until her final moments. She brought this picture home with her and showed it to her partner, and they were able to start the conversation that was otherwise really hard to have. So how did this all begin? Art for Recovery began in 1988 during the AIDS epidemic. A doctor named Ernie Rosenbaum wanted to offer more to his patients. At that time, the hospitals were overflowing 
with mostly gay men that were dying of AIDS alone. And Dr. Ernie Rosenbaum wanted to create a distraction. So he hired artist Cindy Perlis to bring art to the bedside. Cindy had no idea what she was in for. And when she came that first day to work with these people that were dealing with AIDS, she realized that the art was much more than a distraction. Art became their voice. These patients were able to express themselves, tell their story, and cultivate an identity in the hospital as more than just a patient number. And they were able to leave a legacy. This piece that you're looking at was one of, um, one of the first pieces that Cindy did with a patient. It's a carousel and it showed, it was representing the emotions, just the whirlwind of emotions that were going on at the hospital at that time. So today, 33 years later, Art for Recovery is still here, going strong, stronger than ever. Art for Recovery is now a really important element of the UCSF Medical Center. Today, we have seven online workshops, thanks to COVID. Um, we serve mostly adults with cancer and life-threatening illness. And all of our workshops vary. They're in art, music, writing. Our artists, musicians, and writers also go to the bedside of patients at Mount Zion, Mission Bay, and Parnassus campuses to create art experiences for inpatients. Eventually, as COVID eases up, we plan to also return to in-person support groups as well. Uh, this piece was done when everything uh, turned into Zoom for our support groups, a patient did this beautiful piece of, of our group. Another project that's really important to Art for Recovery and is actually in its 29th year is the Firefly Project. So the Firefly Project is an exchange of letters between medical students and patients. So first we have our patients that are in our program fill out a profile about who they are, what their diagnosis is, their hobbies, et cetera. And then we meet with the med students separately and we show the profiles and they get to pick their patient. The patients and the students exchange letters for eight months through Art for Recovery. So no personal information is, is shared. And they're mostly handwritten letters. The important part is that the medical students get to interview patients in a way. They get to really ask what is it like to be a patient? How can I be a better doctor? And it gives patients the opportunity to teach and to feel like they can give back to the medical community by influencing the next generation of healthcare workers. The pen pals write back and forth for eight months. And then at the very end, we throw, um, it feels like a party, it's called a healing service. Uh, where everybody gets to meet for the first time. And then we have an open mic so that people can share how this experience has impacted them. And honestly, it's one of the most moving events that we hold all year. So the picture that you're looking at on the screen um, is the wall outside of Art for Recovery at Mission Bay. And it's covered in quotes from Firefly Letters 
conversations about what it means to be alive. These quotes are also in the exam rooms at the PCMB building. They're quite inspiring, I would say, and relatable for patients. So I always tell our volunteers and our interns and staff when they get nervous about going to the bedside or helping in a workshop to relax. We don't have to have all the answers. What we need to do is let our patients be our teachers and let them lead. Every week that I have worked in art for recovery, something new from our groups inspires me and teaches me new ways to grieve, new ways to heal, to live and to die. And it's, it's an honor to have our patients as our teachers. Our job is really just to hold the space and offer our creative tools to them. The goal in our art groups and in our one-on-one -on -one experiences is to really help patients to connect or reconnect with their creative voice, to cultivate community with other patients, to be seen and heard without judgment and allow self-expression for healing. Our artists, writers, and musicians hold these spaces for our patients to show up however they need to. Um, this, this patient, uh, his name was Mike. He was pretty fantastic uh, while he was staying with us at Mission Bay. He would have a slogan of the day and he would paint it. And I would bring him big cardboard and cardstock. And um, we have a whole collection of, of Mike's slogans. He was quite the teacher. So before I go on anymore, um, what Patrice and I would like to do is actually invite you to have a little bit of an art experience of what you would experience as a patient in an art for recovery workshop. So I'd like to introduce Patrice Hahn, who is a healing harpist with us. Um, Patrice, if you want to say a little bit about what your role is um, with our patients and our workshops with your music, uh, feel free. And then Patrice is going to lead us in a little grounding, which we do at the beginning of every workshop. And then we're going to read um, our poem prompt. So Patrice, would you like to say a few words? Thanks, Amy. Um... We discovered fairly recently that Amy and I have both been associated with Art for Recovery since 2004. Um, my place in this community has been to bring my harp mostly onto the floors um, where cancer care is being given. I feel that those years of being wordlessly present with people helped me understand the experience of making holding space holding space in more recent years I feel so fortunate to have gotten more deeply and intimately involved than ever before um, Amy and I host a group that allows, invites a group of people 
to experience art and music and meditation on a weekly basis. Again, I think the music is like a basket. When there are places where words don't seem to come, it holds space for the emotions to come through. Usually when the emotions come through, language and visuals are able to begin to move. If nothing happens but a space where people can sleep or cry, that works too. That works too. So as Amy said, typically we start our gatherings by taking a moment to ground. And so I invite you to join me in this little practice of grounding. I know it's the end of a hot day and you might feel like what you need most of all is a nap. Then let this be an instant nap and energy reset. Can you sense the way your body fits the chair you're sitting on? Can you sense the way your feet touch the floor? I invite you to breathe into that awareness, to just breathe. It takes no effort. It's automatic. What we get to control is how we breathe out. Breathing in is taken care of. So as you breathe out, put an imaginary straw in your mouth and begin to blow through that straw. Blow out the stress of the day. Like you're blowing a dandelion away. Allow another breath to fill you and blow a little more. There need be no worries in this moment. Where we are is just now. Showing up just now for your own self, your precious self, the only one of you in the whole universe. Let your shoulders drop. Let the tightness go from your jaw. Feel the way that your back supports you. Be grateful for the capacity of your lungs and gratitude for this moment. Just here. Just now. Just now. I'm going to read to you a poem which we love and have used more than once. If a single word or an image catches your attention, allow it to catch, allow it to snag. Remember to keep breathing while you're listening. This poem is The Guest House by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, 
a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still, treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing, laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide, a guide from beyond. So if you have a pen and paper handy or even some watercolors or collage materials, I invite you to inspired by the poem. Ask yourself, who are your guests today? What would you name them? What do they look like? How do they feel? What color are they? And what are they trying to teach or guide you through? And you can also, if the poem is not inspiring and the prompts are not interesting to you, you can simply let Patrice's music guide you. And we're just going to hold this space for the next 15 minutes for you to create.
Thank you, Patrice. That was beautiful. Thanks, Amy. So in our workshops at this point, we would turn to the patients and ask, what did you create? What came up for you from this poem? And we get to have a little window into their story, into their cancer experience, into their creativity, into what's really going on for them. Because we don't really have the opportunity to do that today with all of you, I'm going to read you a patient's story that I think will inspire you. After being diagnosed with a life-threatening cancer 20 years ago, I lost my life's work and a sense of myself. I could no longer care for my child and face physical and emotional constraints beyond my imagination. One day while at UCSF Cancer Center, I stumbled into a program called Art for Recovery. With a little history of doing crafts, I was given a pad with colored pencils and was instructed to draw every day. I reluctantly attempted to draw stick figures until one day a doorway opened into myself and I entered. I started painting with my hands using acrylic paint, rarely using a brush. I began noticing an integration of my entire body and emotions into the work, allowing whatever colors or images that wanted to come through me, often coming from the center of where my illness began, my pancreas. My work emerged intuitively, driven by bright colors and the mystery of what appears on a blank sheet of paper. It was as if I had stepped into the real river of life, finding unknown feelings, releasing stress, and restoring spirits. It was an expansion of self-awareness, a reconciliation of emotional issues deepening my connection to my physical body. This intimate expression and discovery of both what is possible from within and the connection to the outer world has transformed my challenging life's journey and allowed me to thrive under great duress. I use painting to address whatever issues arise on my cancer journey, from using cooling colors to soothe my nervous system to fiery colors to engage my emotions and physical energy. For many years, when asked what treatment I'm doing, I'd say, I'm doing art. I now live with two cancers and the journey has changed along with my art. It has been a lifeline for me at every step. I am committed to supporting and developing the expression of art as a healing tool for anyone, anytime, anywhere. That patient wrote, uh, wrote her story with us and we ended up doing a presentation of her work at Mission Bay. A big part of Art for Recovery is also the platform that we're able to give patients to show their artwork, to tell their story. The Firefly Project, which I mentioned, is a fantastic platform for patients to tell their story, to talk at the open mic. We have permanent installations of artwork, thousands of pieces of patient art, writing, and quilts across all UCSF campuses. We have published books 
of patients' wisdom. We have one book called Bedside Manners, What to Say and Not Say When Someone is Ill. We have another book called Patient as Teacher Anthology, Lessons from the Bedside. This book answers questions like, what does hope look like? What would you like to say to your doctor? And of course, we have social media and our website for patients to share their experiences. But one of our newer platforms that um, that story I read you came from is called Stories of Art for Recovery. We started this when Mission Bay Hospital opened. We have the opportunity to fill two large display cases, about 15 by 20 feet. And we curate a mini art show in those large display cases. We interview patients, we frame their artwork and show their story in person and then online. The picture that you're looking at right now is a patient who was dying at the hospital. She had participated in our program for six years. And we were able to give her an art show before she passed that her medical community, her family and her friends could experience and she could share on social media and get everyone's feedback. She was 34 and wrote a piece that we later put in the window. She passed and the display stayed up as a memorial for her. So as we wrap up everything that we've been talking about today, about art for recovery and the role that it plays in patients' lives, if there are three things that I could leave you with to remember about expressive arts in healthcare, it is number one, everyone is an artist. Drawing, cooking, photography, music, dance, sculpting, it's creativity. It is innate in all of us. Number two, creative community is key. Cultivating connections with people, experiencing the same process of being a patient is crucial for breaking the isolation that comes with a diagnosis. And number three, let your patients be your teachers. After all the years of doing this work, I continue to be blown away by the lessons about living and dying and everything in between that we learn from our patients. Never stop learning. Let your patients be your teachers. And since we have a little time left to finish up early, I want to close with a blessing. So another element of our workshops is that we, we close with a blessing, either one that we've found or one um, written by a patient to give everyone closure. And I would like to leave you with this. Uh, this patient wrote this recently and gave her permission for me to read it to you all today. It is called, You Are Safe. Close your eyes, feel your body, talk to your cells, tell them that we are okay. Remember the roadmap you created. Remember the thousands of times you repeated to yourself, I am safe, I am well, I am protected, I am loved, and you were. Hold on to that mantra. It took you through chemo. It held you through surgery. It supported you through radiation. You trusted and your life continued. You stand now at a crossroads. You stand in the unknowing once again. Close your eyes. Feel the golden light of healing pour itself into your body. You are safe. You are well. You are protected. 
you are loved. Thank you. Amy and Patrice, thank you so much for that just very grounding experience. And um, I'm very humbled by the patient stories that you shared. Um, I think we have some time for questions. So I want to invite folks to enter questions in the chat or in the Q&A. Um, but my first question is, um, how has this been for you, the pandemic and transitions of art for recovery into an online format? Um, and how has it affected your personal life? Um, you know, it was a rocky transition, um, I think, for patients and staff. But uh, surprisingly, it ended up growing our program in a way that we never expected. And that I think will remain a part of Art for Recovery going forward. Um, we've always had in-person support groups that were well attended and very popular, but you know, UCSF has a lot of patients that come from all over the nation and all over the world. And so having the Zoom group option has allowed us to stay connected with such a broader UCSF community. It's really beautiful. Patients can take us with them when they go to infusion, when they're in waiting rooms, you know, we're able to support them in all new ways. Um, Patrice, all the musicians and writers, um, did a great job of just pivoting what we do in person online. Um, so uh, personally, it's been very hard, right? I think for all of us just working from home, but we're now, uh, you know, half and half. We're bedside and uh, on Zoom. Another aspect of it being at home is, is there's more versatility with people's creativity. You know, if you're in the hospital, it's a little harder to get up and, and dance to the music, right? Or um, to do a sculpture because we can't have clay at the hospital. So um, you're right, it has offered new ways of getting to know the patients as well and seeing other parts of them. Yeah, I'm wondering, because um, I had heard from Jenna Leak a little while ago about, um, you know, this is early, early on in the pandemic. Um, we were thinking about writing a grant um, together, but at that time, you know, she mentioned that usually people would come in and they would choose their medium of choice, you know, and I'm wondering how you transitioned that over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the beginning, um, I sent art kits to people. Um, oh. We just did a lot of mailings, um, you know, and I, I just touch base with people like, what are you interested in? And we have a lot of materials at the hospital. So um, and a lot of our funds were not able to be used for things like the healing service. So we created art kits um, and I did mailings and then that kind of got people started. Um, we send journals, we send just like the basics. Uh, so that's been really great. Um, and then we created sterile art kits for the inpatients because you know you can't exchange art materials anymore. So we have a great system with these single use watercolors, um, everything and the nurses are able to distribute them from the nurse's station and then they can zoom in from their bedside. Oh, I'm so touched to hear that, especially it's like a personalized care package um, for uh, folks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, we had been thinking about this. I had been thinking about this for a few years before COVID hit. Like, you know, I feel like we're kind of missing a broader community. And what about this? What about this? So these ideas had already been going. And then when COVID hit, it was like, okay, I know what's ripened it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering a little bit more about your story too, like how you ended up um, as a muralist too. And where can we see your murals? You know? Oh yeah. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, I don't do that many murals anymore because now I run art for recovery. Um, but yeah, I came to UCSF 17 years ago. I was studying art therapy in college and, um, my then mother-in-law actually came down with, uh, she had cancer and I ended up being the token family member that was like, sure, I'll take you to chemo. What's chemo? You know, I'm 21 years old and, and I show up and I'm with her in infusion. And as an artist, I just bring my art materials wherever I go. Cause it calms me down. So I'm there with her and I start drawing and then the person next to me asks, what are you drawing? And we start communicating. And I, I fell in love with it. And I would go with her every week and we'd go to Infusion and we'd create art. And then one of the nurses said, you know, you really should meet Cindy Perlis. There's a program here for this. So I met Cindy. I was 21 years old. And um, the rest is history. I just never left. It was, it changed my life. For me as an artist with artist parents and being in the art world, it was like, this is really what the heart of, to me, what art is really about telling people's stories and, and being moved, right. Not just creating uh, a technical piece, but I do love the technical piece. I worked for John Pugh murals. Um, and so we did Trump Loy. So it's to trick the eyes, that very realistic technical part. So um, I'll send you some pictures. <laughs> love to see that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're lucky to have you, you know, that was, that seems very um, kind of meant to be that you joined, I guess it's, it's how, like almost a whole adolescent um, <laughs> ago, you know? Yeah, I know. I like to say I grew up in art free recovery. Right. Um, well, my then mother-in-law, you know, I was with her for two years. She passed away and, you know, life completely changed for me. The marriage ended everything. And I really saw like, what happens when someone has cancer? And I just felt like I, I saw the importance of art in that space, that there was a gap that needed to be filled and it couldn't be filled with medicine. It couldn't be filled with words. And I, I knew I needed to just be there. I think it was my therapy in a way after she passed. And I, I can't imagine not doing this. And then it has kind of snowballed over 17 years um, and I'm very passionate and very protective of this program. And um, Cindy and I are, are very close, of course. So. And definitely resonate with filling in the gaps, you know, providing as many options um, that are meaningful and speak to each patient. And I like the um, saying you had that our patients are our teachers. I mean, I learned so much um, from our patients, um, things that I just completely didn't know uh, were out there, you know, as part of their healing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think they've also taught us that like, there's not one way to live and there's not one way to die and there's not one way to heal. And mm -hmm. so I think in that way, our patients are always teaching us something. And I say that to our volunteers a lot. We get a lot of interns who are getting their masters, their PhD in art therapy, and they're very in their head with like the technicalities mm -hmm. of like <laughs> what, what art project and how to present it. And really, I feel like what we do in expressive arts is dropping out of that space. And so you're reconnecting heads to bodies. It, it sounds yeah. like as well, or hearts, you know, coming back yeah. to the heart of it. 
I love that. Yes. Um, well, we have a question here. Um, I've seen a lot more museums offering virtual tours and they've inspired me, especially expanding my notion of what art can be. I'm curious if you have any recommendations of institutions you think are leading the way to help everyone relate to art online. Great question. Huh. Um, I'm not as in touch with like the broader art world anymore. Um, I'm very connected to NOAA, the National Organization of Arts and Health. And I think they are doing a fantastic job of um, kind of leading people through the, the expressive arts and healing arts um, all over the nation. Um, but as far as museums, I'm not as connected these days with that. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting how things have adapted that way as well, like for public yeah. access. Um, I think early on in the pandemic, we needed that stimulation. And then um, sometimes, like, I feel like a lot of things came out of it, like art exhibits and um, there's almost yeah. too much information now, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, but it's so great for patients who, you know, COVID or being in isolation is like not new to them. It's it's very normal. So now their worlds have just opened up so much. Um, yeah. I'm wondering for caregivers too, are there art programs for that specifically dedicated to them? Um, we don't have anything specifically for caregivers. We're funded um, for patients, uh, but I never turn anyone down at the same time. And we do have caregivers. Uh, we have a really wonderful men's group. And uh, we've had men come to the group that are caregivers and they just need a place with other men who understand the cancer experience. And that, um, that's been really powerful. So um, uh, yeah, we never turn anyone away, but we don't have a specific uh, support group for caregivers. It sounds like they're just built in as part of like the family, you know? Yeah, we do call it our art family. Once, once you're in <laughs> your family. Yeah, it's really inspired by the opening history of the starting with the HIV epidemic. And it's kind of crazy to think that being like what, 40 years ago now, and now we're in another pandemic and um right yeah. now I'm working closely with the Shanti project who also kind oh. of started <laughs> at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really felt like in a way a, almost like a rebirth of the program. Um so right, it's been 33 years of art free recovery. Cindy started it in 1988 and um you know at Parnassus at you know the core of the AIDS epidemic and she was making the AIDS quilts and doing all of that and then here we are in like a new pandemic and we've had this, I mean, our, our program is more popular than it's ever been. And we're able to reach more patients. Um, Cindy retired two years ago and um, yeah, it is, it is really interesting. It's like a new, new chapter of the program. And it's helpful to think, you know, how uncertain I think at that time, you know, AIDS was called uh, like day cancer at that time, long time ago. And um, how far we've come to, like it helps us remember, you know, even in the times where things are up in the air and we're in uncertain times um, and things are constantly evolving that um, some progress and steps can come forward. Well, and it, I feel like it speaks to the arts too, when you're in trauma and when, you know, you're just in that place of fear and everything, and there are no words, 
sometimes only things like music, you know, can hold you. Only things like writing can get you through the day. Um, and I think it's kind of a testament to the power of that um, and the need for that for people. Yeah, we're doing a lot of retrofitting, like um, all these little Brady Bunch boxes <laughs> um, and trying to put things together. But I think um, like the arts and music provide kind of a multimodal, like naturally holistic uh, way to just be mindful, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's innate. I mean, we all we all are creative and it connects to something like a very core value of all of us. Yeah, and um, I also want to invite Patrice too, if uh, you're still on, um, any words of wisdom through all of your work at Heart for Recovery? The word that means so much to me is listen. Um, I think that by attending to one another, there's more capacity for understanding there's more capacity for just witnessing. I think we long to be heard. We all long to be heard. And even in those places where the listening, the attending is not actual language, where it's visual listening, you know, um, I think that's- Or presence that. even. It's presence, presence. yeah. It's yeah. like just in, in, intending and attending, mm -hmm. you know, they, there's a, I don't even know if it's used anymore. There was always the term, the attending physician. And that- oh, I never thought about it that way. You just like sparked something for me. Yeah, but yeah. The, the attention, the attending, whomever that is, you know, whoever is the healer in that moment. And sometimes it's just sitting there and let somebody have a meltdown or, yeah, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, um, if there's no other questions, I just want to thank everyone for joining our um, Creative Expression for Mind Body series. And this is just a wonderful way to kind of like wind down our series today. So I want to thank uh, Amy, Patrice, and then also um, the team that makes it happen, Don and Sari, for kind of guiding us through putting the pieces together. Thank, thank you. you so I appreciate you. the opportunity. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All right. Well, take care, everyone. All right. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank Bye. you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.